Hello, Hillcrest, and welcome to our Together We Believe podcast. We are excited to offer this as a supplement to our summer series each week, this series called Together We Believe, as we want to share brief conversations with some of our own people about how we can practically and tangibly increase our experience of life and joy with Jesus and work on closing the gap between what we believe to be true and what we experience as real. So we're uh, really excited today, uh, myself and uh, we've got David Bartosik and Ryan Horsberger in with us today to talk about, uh, about God and who God is. And uh, Ryan, why don't you just start us off by introducing yourself and, and maybe tell us, kind of go back to the beginning and tell us about your earliest memories or encounters with this concept, this person of God. I'm glad you clarified it. Uh, so Ryan Horsberger, because um, I was thinking, you know, my mom and dad loved each other very much, and so I was just trying to figure out how far back it was a Thursday. It was a Thursday, yeah. Um, so I grew up uh, pretty religious, right? And I, I, that's the correct word to use. Attended a Lutheran church, confirmed, did the whole youth group thing, and yet. Um, Oh, I have deep sadness when I think about my formative years sort of up until I was 18 because somehow, and I don't know, um, you know, whether, whether the message wasn't preached, whether the gospel wasn't, I don't, I don't, I don't honestly don't remember, but somehow I completely missed the message um, of like who Jesus was. And so I look back and I think just like heartache about, you know, half of a lifetime. Um, but that, I mean, that was really my first uh, experience with God is, is kind of growing up in a Protestant mainline church. And, and what, what were your early concepts of, of God? Who, who was he? What was his role? Yeah, I think, I think um, for misunderstanding, perhaps, uh, the gospel generally, there's a whole lot of ought and should and uh, recognition of, of sort of my shortcoming with what I perceived as sort of requirements. And, and I would say I would say I was a good kid, um, but that was sort of out of the firstborn rule follower um, belief rather than the hey I've been transformed by the power of the gospel. I'm, I'm right with you on yeah. that. That firstborn rule follower. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. So so with all the shoulds and the oughts, you know, what in the world kind of drew you towards that to find out more about? Who God was. Uh, there's, there's a period of my life where freshman in college and kind of off doing my own thing, went to Madison because it was the number one party school and that was that sounded really appealing to me. Mm. Kind of as I got into it, I, I realized, hey, I can make my own decisions about life. I can, I can be who I want to be. It turns out I'm not that great at making those kinds of decisions because not very far in, I realized I don't like who I'm hanging out with. Mm. I don't like the, uh, the decisions that I'm making. I don't like who I'm becoming. Mm. Um, I was failing my classes. I mean, just my life was sort of going downhill for the first time in my life. I remember just being in a depression and thinking about like, what, what is the purpose of life? I mean, it's kind of traditional in that sense. And then um, I got the news sort of in the midst of my despair that my kid sister had cancer. You know, I kind of broke down, I was crying and, and ended up uh, sort of dropping out of college 
and, and moving back home. And, and in the midst of sort of where I was at, um, she said, hey, you know, I, I go to this youth group. Why don't you come to this youth group? And I, I was a college student, uh, and yet it was for high school yeah. students. And the youth pastor there at the church I grew up in, right, said, hey, you know what? He knew about my sister. He said, let's have lunch. Right? And, and that was the beginning sort of, of transformation in my life. And, and God really used that time to completely change who I was. And so in the midst of a challenging circumstance, confronted by what? What was that thing? So as I hung out with this guy, right, who, who took an interest in me, I didn't understand why. As I hung out with him, so I'm like super low, I saw a joy in his life. And um, I mean, that's like a critical word. If you're at Hillcrest, you got to start using that language and that word. That's critical. Thank you for doing yes, that. Yes, yeah. So I saw the truth of the gospel and the joy of life in Jesus. It's like there was two doors, David. Uh, no, I mean, I saw this joy in his life. And, and he, um, even to this day, I look back and I think, why? What did he? He invited me to start being in leadership, you know, which. I would never have invited myself into leadership. You know what I mean? I, I had the knowledge, but I was far from God to sort of say, hey, come, come volunteer. And I saw the joy that he had in his life and others. I deeply wanted that for me in my life. And yet there was this deep, deep hesitation. And, and I think of it like, have you seen a child thinking about Santa Claus, thinking about Christmas? What? What do they think about on Christmas Eve? I mean, what what kind of attitude do they have? They're excited. Ah, wonder, yeah. just joy, right? Yeah. Just joy. Yeah. And yet, and yet, so if if that is kind of universal for kids, what keeps you, Fred or David, from why don't you just believe in Santa Claus and then you can have that joy? I mean, how amazing would that be? What what keeps you from that, David? No, no, we're interviewing you. Um, <laughs> well, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. no, I mean... No, because we know it's not true. It's not true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so that was the hesitation for me, right? Mm -hmm. I saw the joy that he had. I yeah. deeply wanted it. I was in a place in my life where I was so low, and, and I was like, oh, I, I want that. And yet, I said, I cannot choose that for my life mm. if it's fake. Mm -hmm. You can't. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to make my life be about this if you don't know that it's real. And so that sort of kicked off a process for me of, mm. of digging into the word and praying and, and, and really just going, um, you know, kind of digging in and saying like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to volunteer. I'm going to help out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see, but I am not going to be all in if I can't be confident that it's real. So they set you on this trajectory of thinking. It started with thinking, but there was also a correlation to uh, this experience in your life yes. that set you out to say what is true, yes. what is actually true mm -hmm. for, for the best way to live. Uh, tell us about it. I mean, give us a little journey in some of those things that were discovered along that way early on. What were those things that you started to, to explore and think about who God is? Yeah, I, so I think I realized um, there was a whole bunch of things, right? So, so part of it was I said, well, if, if it were true, I sort of started off down that journey and I started reading the Bible more and, and um, I had read it before, but it was sort of out of obligation. Like gotta read this much per day and get it done with and not necessarily pay attention to it. But you know, if, if it were true, then these other things would be true, right? And so um, as I started to, to realize who God was, I started to say, well, if, if it's true, then, then I have access, right, to the God of the universe. And what does that mean? What does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so 
as I started to say, hey, I want to follow Jesus with my life, a lot of my old ways of living sort of fell off, right? But I, but I realized I'm a person who, who doesn't have, doesn't know really one other person who says, I want to follow Jesus with my life. That, that, as that I would call a buddy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I started to say, well, I'm going to pray to God uh, because I have access to him, right? Um, that he would sort of bring me into a group of guys who love him, who can show me how do I how do I follow Jesus in 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 you know modern day? What does that look like for eighteen uh, something? Um, and then the other thing was, I mean, I was like, well, hey, if I have access to God, I started praying that I would meet a woman who mm-hmm. loved Jesus. Um, and and you know, I met Aaron, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. So, so Ryan, as you started reading God's Word and talking with people, learning about God, were there any aspects of God that you were like really drawn to, really pulled in by, that you said, this is truth, I believe this, I'm excited about this, and other things that you said, whoa, wait a minute, that's harder for me to, to either grasp or to accept about who God is? Yeah, so, so for better or for worse, and I often think... In myself for worse I'm a natural cynic um, and I, I don't love that about me but I, I, I sort of fight against that at times so I don't think there was a lot that was sort of easy right everything was sort of like question this question this question this question this right now on the other side right so so after having been a believer now for you know going on a couple decades now uh, there's that that piece of me as it pertains to God is totally gone and, and, and the reason it's gone is because I look at the Bible, right? There is a ton in there that I don't understand, right? And I'm, I, you know, there's lots of people smarter than me, but there's a ton that I don't understand. And I, I heard it once described this way. Have you, what, try explaining the internet to a whale. Right? I mean, in this, in this story, right, I'm the whale, right? And I mean, it's like, how do you do it? I mean, it's just... It's where do you start? Oh man, a communication, computers, a network, sonar, like like it's just hard, right? And so I think part of that can explain why scripture is at times difficult to understand, right? But but what makes it so palatable for me and, and, and takes that cynical aspect of my personality and just like totally placates, I'm, I'm good, is because I have learned, even though I don't understand, I trust the one who said it. I mean, that's life-changing, right? Like, like I don't, if, if, if I'm a child and I have built this trust with my earthly father and he says, hey, uh, we're going to do this thing, um, but don't go over there because it's dangerous. I don't necessarily need to understand like, oh, okay, I'm going to touch the electric fence to see if what he was telling me was true. No, through experience, I have learned I can trust my father, right? And that applies in many different ways. And so the parts of scripture I don't understand so, like my cynical part is good because I trust the one who said it. So in terms of the things that were hard for me though, I mean, take your pick. Like um, I kind of already talked a little bit about the uh, authenticity of God or the realness of God. It couldn't be something that I just choose. Yeah. Um, but another thing um, I think would be and, and, and not not to miss out on that point. Give us give us a story where maybe you experienced that as as a father yourself. Give us, a, give us a situation where you said, I trust my heavenly father. There's a trust that I have. Yeah. Don't go. Is there a situation where, where that got experienced or expressed in your own life as a father? One thing that I say to my kids constantly, right, is I say, and I, I sort of use like, try to use examples 
that they can understand to help them illustrate things that maybe they can't understand, right? I mean, I think that's a super common thing to want to do. But I say to them, hey, did you know that I, that I love you? Right? And they say, yeah. And, and, and do, do you know why I love you? And they say, you know, um, you love me. And this is, this is through training, right? They, they now say this by rote, uh, rote um, but they, I love you because you're my son. I love you because you're my daughter. That is, that is the dialogue that we often have. And, and then it's like, okay, well, what could you do to not be my son? What could you do to not be my daughter? Well, well, nothing, because no matter what I do, I will always be your son, right? And so then, okay, well, if I love you because you're my son, and there's nothing you could do to not be my son, well, then what could you do to cause me to not love you? Hmm. Nothing, right? So we have that dialogue constantly. That's, a, that's an interaction that we have, a story, in, and yet that is how God feels about you, right? It's not like, it's, it's, it's whose you are. You are his, and that is what defines his love for you. And uh, I mean, I feel like that's been, been pretty powerful for us. It's not about what you do, right? I'm not gonna love everything you do, and, and neither will the Father love everything that you do. Um, but he loves who you are. That's who's a you are. really good example. You know, we're talking about uh, in light, or, uh, engaging the mind and awakening yeah. the heart. And, and I love that story as an example of You've engaged your mind and who God is and understanding some of that, but that awakens your heart back towards God. Mm -hmm. But be, And because of his love for you, then it's engaging your heart yeah. in other ways to people around you. Yeah. I, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And, and, and I guess the second piece, too, is you had said, you know, what was something that was hard? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. For me, thinking about the purpose and the, you know, sort of the efficacy of prayer and, and and so there's a piece of it i think that's pretty easy to understand that is the prayer is actually for us there's a there's a piece of that where where when i um in need to articulate what i believe and my hopes and my dreams and what my hurts when i need to articulate that to someone god right that that helps form a bond and authenticity of vulnerability right and yet the the side of that that was challenging for me was so what? Like, what does that do, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I believed that, that God's purpose is not going to be thwarted by any decision that I make, right? I mean, he's got this plan, and I'm not going to mess it up, right? And so the flip side of that is, if I'm not going to mess up his plan, well, then what value is there if I have a deeply held, uh, you know, just I'm despairing about something, grieving about something, or deeply desire something, what effect is that going to have on God's, you know, I mean, what is that going to do? And so that was a struggle for me. But then you, you see all through scripture, right? God's got a plan that's not going to be thwarted. And yet you see how when his people cry out, often he'll, he'll listen, right? He says in, in James 5, 16, right? The, the, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so, man, just wrestling with that and figuring out like, oh, how can, how can that be? you know, powerful and effective. And yet, and so just the ju juxtaposition of those two things, mm -hmm. I think um, even to this day is something that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Friends, you're reconsidering that maybe Ryan should have preached on Sunday instead. And then it's open. Uh, <laughs> it's open. <laughs> so, so, so what would you tell someone who, who, who believes that they are convinced that God is their heavenly father. They are convinced with these realities that you're sharing. They're convinced that he is the one transcendent over time to be worshiped. And yet they look and there's a disconnect between that conviction and maybe an apathetic experience. That they're not feeling 
that as fully in their life. Was there a situation in your life where that gap exists more prominently? And, and how'd you reconcile it? Where'd you go with that feeling of whether apathy or uh, disconnect or... Yeah. So, I mean, there's like definitely seasons of life that are characterized by other things, right? By like just focus on, on some things and others. And, and for me, I, man, I just remember the excitement, the passion, the all-consuming nature of when I first discovered joy in life with Jesus. That's twice now, David. So I'm going to try to... <laughs> There's a tracker. There's a tracker. No, when I first... I mean, it was like... When I think about those first sweet, just precious mm. like, months and years, yeah. man, it was like all-consuming. I mean, that was what everything... And, and so your question to apathy, I, I feel about myself, and I'm not putting this on other people, but I feel like... I'm really just saying this about myself. I feel that apathy about life with Jesus is incompatible with the follower of Jesus. I think if it happens, it's because you're just consumed with the business of life and you're not, but like if you are seriously dwelling on who he is, what he's done, what this means, I don't know how you don't just go crazy and just be, you know, I mean, it is, it is, it is life-changing, it is world-changing, um, and, and it is, so I think about what I want for my kids, like what I want them to be, what I want them to do. I don't care about any of that. All I care is I want them to know, love, and follow Jesus um, because it, it changes everything. I don't, I don't take credit or blame for choices they make in life with regard to that. And yet I can feel pre-agony over that, right? I mean, they're, they're young, they're young still. And, and you, you hear about things in, um, in like Judges 2.10 where, where the, the very generation after Moses who had, um, they, you know, they had they'd witnessed all of the miracles, they witnessed the plagues, they witnessed the Red Sea, they had witnessed, uh, you know, the manna, they, they, all these things. It, it says like the very, they rose up and they didn't know the Lord or what he had done and they did evil things in the sight of the Lord. And it's like, man, that just ugh, breaks my heart. Mm. Um, and so apathy, um, I would just say, man, if, you, if you're feeling apathetic, um, I would just question for me, especially if I'm being distracted by the cries of the world. Mm -hmm. And so doing things like, man, when I, I, I do this, this practice occasionally where I'll get out a sheet of paper and I'll say, man, what, what do I feel grateful for? And not to miss it. What I heard you say, <laughs> I don't want to miss it because I heard you say something pretty profound. It happens every once in a while, yeah. but occasionally if you catch it, it's there. Yeah. I heard you say, I actually use that apathetic emotion to help me return back oh, yeah. to my thinking. I use that emotion. Yeah. That emotion is a gauge, it's a thermometer that I actually get to use to, to, uh, to assess my view of God. Yeah. And if I stay there, it's a pretty dangerous posture. Oh, absolutely. But instead, I use it as a gauge and then it actually leads you to make some kind of list of some sorts. Yeah, I mean, just, just there's a whole bunch of things you can do and I'll just say two. Um, one is, I mean, I, I've heard it called various things, but I'll just get a sheet of paper out and I'll just think about in the morning, like, what am I thankful for? And oh my goodness, you could go on for an hour. I mean, I could think about things like warmth and, and pizza and laughter. I mean, you could just go on and on and get as detailed as you want. I mean, it's, it sounds silly, right? But then I look at that list and I reflect <laughs> on it and it's like, my goodness, like God, God did not have to make earth the way that it is, right? He could have been like, this whole thing about food, that could have just been like optional. He didn't need us to make food. I mean, you think about the creativity and flavors, etc. And then the second thing I think that helps me in the apathy or if I'm having a season like that is community. Mm. Community is, is one of the most important things in my life when it comes to 
um, being spurred on and being challenged. And so we have a, a tight knit, uh, a big tight knit group of uh, people who love Jesus, who, you know, we're struggling together to figure out how do you, how do you follow Jesus in 21st century Dane County? And, and my buddies will, uh, you know, if I'm sort of apathetic or I'm, you know, phoning it in or whatever, they will challenge me. Uh, we are often and regularly digging into the word. And when you dig into the word, that keeps you from being what I said, distracted by the cares of the world, right? Because you're regularly in the world. And I would say that is probably the primary thing, primary way that God, uh, speaks to us is through, through the word. Put a pin in that. We'll pick that up <laughs> next week. Yeah, next oh week. man, Fred, one last question for Ryan as we wrap up, put a nice little bow on it. What's one last thing? Because uh, our intent here is to have these conversations to help just take one other step into processing these ideas through the lens of some of our people. Well, something that comes to mind is just, just asking you why is this important to you? What is it about about God mm-hmm. and being enthralled being with enthralled. Him? I mean, and as good as it is, how fun it is to watch cars go around in a circle. I can't for the life of me figure out why <laughs> anybody would watch NASCAR. But I know there's people out there that yeah. love that. Yeah. But why be yeah. enthralled with God? That's a great yeah. question, Fred. Yeah. If you if you believe it to be true. How could you not be enthralled with God? I mean, that to me, to me, that's the default. If you believe, if you believe all these things, like the omnipotence, the omnipresent, if you believe all of those things about God, and He knew in advance this this creation that He made would would basically continuously and forever bumble things up, and and eventually uh, turn on Him and crucify. I mean, He knew that He He created me, and He knew that I would often and regularly, you know, my, my, my affections would be fickle. Like he, he knew this about me. And yet, like he chose in light of that to create humanity. He chose in light of that um, to send his son. He, he, imagine the father up in eternity past with, with the son saying, you know, like, I, I, I can't help it. I can't help but love these people. I, you know, the, the son, the son is, is willing. He, he, he's saying, I will go. And, and, and the father says, it breaks my heart what they will do to you. It breaks my heart. And yet I cannot help it. My love for them is so great. I need to send you there because it's the only way that they can be redeemed and then I can spend it. Like, man, I want, how, how can you not want to know more about that guy? Like that, that is the default to me. Hmm. I think if I summarize that, He's worthy. There's so many things around us that we think are worthy and we put trust and hope and belief and faith and ultimately they fail. But this God that you just so beautifully described and his love for us is worthy. Hey, Hillcrest, thanks for uh, checking in with us this week and I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Tune in next week. In fact, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so you get it in automatically each and every week because we're going to continue over the summer engaging the mind, awakening the heart in all these matters of of really, really important doctrine so that together at Hillcrest Bible Church, we believe and our lives can be reflected as such to those around us. God bless you.